As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard the crowd going by, he asked what was happening. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. He called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those who led the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him. When he came near, Jesus asked him, What do you want for me to do? Lord, I want to see, he replied. Jesus said to him, Receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. When all the people saw it, they also praised God. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said, Lord, look here, and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save what was lost. Great. So um, if you haven't been here the last few weeks, uh, you'll need me to tell you that we're looking at this series called Dethroning Mammon, uh, which is based on a book by Justin Welby, uh, Justin Welby, the Archbishop of Canterbury, uh, all about uh, money and how money is dealt with and uh, his kind of views on, uh, views on money. Um, if you could put up the, uh, the, the next slide. Uh, this, this guy here, this is, this is Mark Carney. He is the uh, chairman of the Bank of England. Uh, so one of the most important people in the UK in terms of monetary, uh, monetary stuff. And uh, he was captured on... Uh, uh, you probably can't quite see it because the, the, of the sun. But anyway, uh, on the left-hand side of the screen, he was captured on the underground by uh, someone uh, surreptitiously taking a photo of him uh, with their phone, um, uh, reading Justin Welby's book uh, on money. Uh, again, you can't quite see it there. Um, I don't know if he was more embarrassed about having been caught reading the book or picking his nose... I don't know if he's picking his nose or putting his finger in his mouth. Anyway, I don't know. Um, and so, uh, again, the photo, a picture, photo on the right. I don't know if this, uh, this came after that. Maybe he realized he'd been caught out, but he met up with Justin Welby anyway. And uh, they, they shared a laugh about, about the book together. And, and actually, they were interviewed on Radio 4. This was last year at some point. Uh, interviewed together on Radio 4 about money uh, and about um, the, the power of money. Uh, and if you, if you have read uh, Justin Welby's book, and I'd encourage you to do so, um, it, 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 does, it contains some quite challenging things, or if you were Mark Carney reading it, it would be very challenging, <laughs> you know, about how monetary policy is, in, is, is put in and, and the importance of, uh, of it. So very, very interesting. I think the transcript of their debate on Radio 4 is, I think, online somewhere. You have to, have to search for that, but um, very, very interesting. Um, last week, we looked at uh, the, the, the topic uh, that was entitled, uh, What We See, We Value. 
the book uh, has these really interesting uh, kind of uh, chapter titles uh, that I think actually, in some ways, you don't, in some ways you don't even need to read the, the chapter. Just think about the chapter title. Uh, what we see, we value. And Ralph was speaking about actually, if we, often we don't see things properly, and so we value the wrong things. Um, but Jesus enables us to see properly. And uh, this week, uh, chapter two of the book, uh, slight, again, a slightly different topic, is uh, what we measure controls us. What we measure controls us. So my first question for us is, what do you, what do you measure? What do you measure? When, and when I first thought about this, I thought, well, I'm not sure I measure that much uh, about myself or life in general. But the more I thought about it, the more I realized, hang on a minute, actually, I measure quite a lot uh, of things in my life. I just, well, can, you, can, people, can you just just shout out, what are some of the things that you know that you, you measure in your life? Weight. Your weight. <laughs> no need to always measure that, Wendy. <laughs> I wait. Life. Sorry? Life. life. Yeah. Time to run a certain distance. Best 10K, best 5K, best 2K. <laughs> You know, yep. Anything else? There's loads of things. You must be thinking of things. Just shout them out. Age. Measure our age. Sorry? Grades. Education. What did you get for GCSEs? What did you get your O levels? What did you get A levels? What did you get degree? Yeah. Carpets. You measure carpets, Ben. If you were fitting carpets, you would measure carpets. If you were fitting carpets, measure carpets. Absolutely. Anything else? Sorry? Steps taken. Yes, absolutely. Things on our wrist that say this is how many steps you've taken this day that buzzes to say you need to walk a bit further or not far enough or whatever it might be. Facebook likes. Facebook likes. Yes. How long's your beard? <laughs> how long a movie is? Oh, yes, okay. <laughs> I honestly thought you said how long's your beard? Yes, body, uh, weight, height, shoe size, clothing size. What am I? Am I, am I 35 waist? Am I thir- you know, 34 waist? And what are my leg length? What am I you know, size 10, size 12, whatever? Our money, how much money's in the bank? Money coming in, money going out. What about a salary? You know, how, much money am I be- how much money am I being paid? Um, how much money am I giving away? Days leave, how much holiday have I had? I- do I have any holiday? How much holiday have I got left? Uh, and as we said, education. Actually, we measure loads of stuff all the time. And uh, just to show you, one of the things that I've got into measuring for myself is, um, for those of you who know me, uh, I got into this habit of measuring the number of countries that I've been to. Um, and I, it's a bit of an expensive habit, I've got to tell you. I think I need to change it. <laughs> but um, uh, So I got myself a scratch map. And uh, actually, my family, one year when these came out and they were in the shops, I got three for one Christmas from three different people because they knew that I'd like them. So um, I scratched out a five pence piece on places in the world where I'd been. Um, and, uh, and initially I thought, hey, I've been, to loads of pla- I've been to loads of places in the world. Yeah. And then I scratched out and realized there's lots and lots of the world that I have not been to. Um, uh, I know that some people like to say scratch out the whole country that they've been to. So some people, such as Ralph over here, <laughs> would go to St. Petersburg and scratch out the whole of Russia. <laughs> I think that's cheating, personally. I've just got some Petersburg, but anyway, there you go. Um, so one of the things, I guess one of the things that, uh, that I measure uh, for myself, what we measure, we actually measure quite a lot of things. And uh, why do we measure? I mean, in some sense we measure because by measuring things it tells us what's going on. 
you know, you, you, measure, you measure your weight, you measure your height, you measure your finances to, to tell you, you know, how's it going? Is it going well? Is it not going well? You know? So there's, in some ways, there's, there's nothing wrong with measuring or the, the idea of measuring things. Uh, the issue that Justin Welby brings up in his book is, do we measure the right things? Do we measure the right things? In fact, he argues that we focus disproportionately on the things that are easy to measure. We focus on what we can easily measure and often ignore the things that we can't really measure. This is uh, Albert Einstein, a quote of his, uh, not everything that can be counted counts and not everything that counts can be counted. Not everything that can be counted counts and not everything that counts can be counted. There's a bit too many words of count in there. You might have to look it up if you want to think about that a bit, a, 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 a bit more. But we tend to focus on what we can easily measure. And, and, and often the reverse then is also true, that we tend to often ignore the things that we can't easily measure. The reading uh, we had uh, Rosie uh, read, uh, part of that reading was Jesus coming into Jericho. And as he came into Jericho, there was a blind man on the outskirts of Jericho. And uh, uh, at, at, at that time, if you, were, uh, if you were disabled in that way, you would have been a bit of an outcast, um, particularly if you didn't have, uh, have family around. So it would have been uh, outcast from, from the city, uh, out on the road, because on the road as people came in, they might be travelers who you might be able to beg uh, some, money, uh, some money from. There was no welfare state to support you or anything. So a blind man uh, out on the road uh, outside Jericho. And uh, Jesus and a whole group of people come, come by, and we're told that the blind man hears these people coming by and uh, calls out, who, who is it? Who's coming by? And the leaders of the group, the people at the front, say, oh, it's, it's Jesus of Nazareth. The blind man calls out, Jesus, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. All the people in the crowd hush, hush him up. No, 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 he doesn't, don't, don't, he doesn't want to be bothered with you. No, just be quiet. And we're told he shouts all the louder, Jesus, son of God, have mercy on me. But the crowds around Jesus don't want this man to have anything to do with Jesus. The point that Justin Welby makes in the book is that uh, the crowd around, one, when they looked at uh, the blind man, well, what they could measure of him was actually not very much. What they could measure of him was someone who didn't add much economically uh, to their city. In fact, was probably a drain. People coming into the city, having given money uh, to him, it was a bit of a nuisance uh, around the place. What they could measure of him, what they could see of him, wasn't very much, and therefore they didn't value him uh, very much. And I think we often focus on what we can easily measure. Just to give you uh, just three very quick examples. Um, in, uh, in sport, uh, uh, Ed, uh, Ed Newman, one of our interns, has been uh, slowly indoctrinating me, uh, as well as Tom, actually, into NFL and into uh, American football. And one of the things that uh, Ed was telling me was that when they have the draft, which is when all the college players come up uh, for the American, for, for the kind of get, to play for the big teams, um, they, uh, they measure them relentlessly. So they'll measure their, uh, they'll measure, well, their height, their weight, all their, all, all their stuff, but also about how far, what's their vertical jump, uh, what's their horizontal jump, how, how fast can they run, you know, 60 meters, how, how, you know, all these, they kind of measure all these things, and then based on all these bits of information, are then able to try and make a decision about whether someone, whether they should uh, get them for the team or, or, or not. Now, those are all things that are very easily measurable. But how do you measure teamwork? Or how do you measure whether someone's going to be good at encouraging others around them? 
how do you measure whether someone is going to have a grumpy day and what they do when they have a grumpy day and they play badly? How do you measure all those things which probably have as big an impact, if not more of an impact sometimes, than someone's physical attributes? How do you measure those things? The answer is, it's quite difficult to. And because it's quite difficult to, the temptation is always to focus on what is easily measurable. Similarly with jobs. Uh, if you're ever applying for a job or looking at new jobs, the temptation is sort of to look at the stuff and then just kind of skin over, skim over lots of things. And basically, the first thing you want to know is how much does it pay? Because when you look down at how much does it pay, that's a number that you can focus on. How much does it pay? What are the days holiday that I get? Or if you're a little further on, you can say, well, where is it? And what's the commute time? They're all numbers that you can kind of work out exactly kind of how you think about the, how, what, what you think about those numbers. But maybe we don't take into account what's less easily measurable, what's harder to measure. What's it going to be like doing this job for my family or my friends? What's it going to be like for my marriage or my kids? What's it going to be like for my time at church? Or uh, what's it going to be like for the, my stress levels in my life? How do you measure those things when you look at a job? It's very difficult to do any of those things. And yet they have a huge impact on our lives. Final thing I think would be, final example would be church. We had a very, just an interesting time when I was a curate uh, previous to being here. Uh, we had a long discussion of a church about what does it mean to be a successful church? Can you even define what a successful church is? If, you, if you're trying to look for numbers then actually the, the, the two things you end up being drawn to are, firstly, what's the money like at the church? How much money have we got coming in? And secondly, how many, how many people come on a Sunday? Often when you, know, when you meet up with other vicars, when I, meet up, when, you meet, when I meet up with other vicars, and you're kind of chatting, chatting with them, you're chatting about churches, da, da, da. inevitably there's sometimes the awkward question of, well, how many people come to your church? <laughs> because it's a number. But how do you measure discipleship? How do you measure gifts of the Spirit? How do you measure whether people's lives are being restored and whether people are growing in holiness? How do you measure biblical literacy? How do you measure all these things that are far more important than numbers or finances? Yet it's really difficult to do. And so the danger, and this is what Justin Wilby says, the danger is that we then focus disproportionately on the things that we can measure. But it gets a little bit worse than that. Not only do we focus on them, but thank, yes, thank you. Well done. And we disproportionately value what we can easily measure. Focus quickly turns to value. That actually, if I can, uh, if I can measure that thing over there, then actually if that goes up, I will value that more. As Jesus walked down the road and uh, the, the crowd were with him and saying no to this blind man, Jesus heard, heard him crying out and, uh, or, or sensed it, I don't know. And, and he said, he said Why, who, who's that crying out to me? Who's that crying out to me? And they brought the blind man to Jesus. And uh, Jesus said uh, to the blind man, what would you like me to do for you? And uh, the blind man, very sensibly, I suggest, said, I would like to see. To which Jesus said, your faith has healed you. You may see again. Your faith has healed you. The interesting thing is that in that situation, Jesus did actually measure something, if you like, of the man. But he didn't measure something that anyone else was looking at. He saw that this blind man had huge faith. But no one else saw that. 
Everyone else was looking at the wrong things. Jesus was able to see through that and say, this guy has huge faith. Receive your sight. Jesus put value on him. Not because, yeah, Jesus put value on him because he was measuring the right things. So, what do we measure? And we focus on what we can easily measure and we disproportionately value what we can easily measure. But then there's a final step, and again, it gets even worse than that. And this is the, the, the kind of the title of this chapter, which is what we measure controls us. What we end up measuring controls us. Because if you measure something, and that's kind of your benchmark of what's good or bad or, or whatever, then actually that, in, that benchmark then ends up controlling your actions, controlling what you do, controlling your, the way that you focus or not uh, on things. The, uh, the, the story, uh, the, the, the passage that we had read, had uh, the blind man uh, outside Jericho. Uh, but then also in, in Jericho, or as Jesus was leaving Jericho, we had the story of Zacchaeus. Um, those of you who don't know the story of Zacchaeus, uh, we know that he was a tax collector. Uh, we know he was Jewish. He was a tax collector working for the horrid Romans. And so he would have been hated by everyone around him. We also know that he was very short. Uh, so he climbed a tree to see, uh, where, to, to see if uh, he could see Jesus. Um, and... Uh, Part of, just wondering, how did Zacchaeus get himself into that position of being someone who was so disliked by everyone else around him, being a tax collector? And I don't think it takes a big leap of faith to say it was something to do with money, something to do with the lie of uh, money, and that actually that the, him believing that the more money he had meant that he would be valued more, or people would like him more, or whatever. And therefore, that ended up controlling his decisions. His love of money ended up controlling his decisions that he ended up wanting to make more money, forgetting other things that were much more important in his life. Similarly, in the, later on in chapter 19, um, Jesus goes to the temple. Uh, and there's a story of Jesus going into the, going into the temple where God uh, would, was worshipped at that time in the, in the Jewish culture. Um, but uh, instead it was filled with, uh, with tables of money changers and people selling, uh, selling things. And uh, Jesus went in, knocked over the tables, drove everyone out saying, you turned uh, this house of prayer into a den of robbers. And again, I wonder, how did that happen? How did that process happen at the temple? I wonder if someone a few years before had said, are we doing any good as a temple? I don't know, because we can't measure worship. How do we measure whether worship's good or not? But well, instead, I know what we'll do. If we sell lots of stuff, then we'll know worship's going well because people are selling it and then people must be using it for worship. Or and then if we make lots of money from that, then, oh yeah, if we lots of money, then we must be doing successful as a temple. You can see how the decisions might have gone that way. But what they measured, i.e. the money, then ended up controlling what they did and Jesus had to kick it out. Just a few examples from today. I know there are a lot of uh, teachers particularly primary school teachers here, but uh, I know teachers across uh, primary and secondary. Uh, And I know that teaching at schools is an area where what is taught is often controlled by what is measured. So uh, when Ofsted come in, if a school knows that Ofsted are coming in and they're going to measure, you know, these five factors or whatever it might be, then the school ends up saying, well, we need to control those five factors so that we are measured right in that area. It kind of, kind of makes sense. The issue comes when the wrong things are measured. If, you want, uh, if you've got a spare, a spare hour and you'd like to hear a rant, I, I mean a discussion, then do, do have a chat with Anna uh, about, uh, 
about schools and, uh, and, how, uh, and, and, and how people are, people are tested on things. You know, particularly in primary schools, if people have spent hours and hours just working purely for some SATs exams, which really don't have, add much maybe to the rest of their life, but they're doing them because that's what's measured. What we measure controls us. Are we measuring the right things? I mentioned a few weeks ago about a friend of mine, uh, a friend of mine who works at uh, works at Carillion, uh, the big company which has gone uh, has gone bust, um, and uh, and. One, I know that one of the habits which he said was very much happened, uh, one of the habits that they had was, uh, w- w- was not, not fiddling the books, but uh, just moving money around to different places so that it made it look like the company was doing better than it actually was. You see, uh, Krillian knew that uh, they'd be judged on their annual profit or whatever it might be, you know, that. and therefore if they got towards the end of the year and realized, oh gosh, we're not making a profit this year, and they, real- and they knew they had to pay some of these people over here, these contractors, they just wouldn't bother paying them until they got to the next year. And then the books balance, and they said, oh look, hey, our books balance, we're doing really, really well. But of course they started the next year in debt because they had to pay these contractors from the previous year. Now that's fine maybe for one year, but imagine you do that two years, three years, four years, ten years in a row, and you get into this horrible cycle of being hugely in debt, and all of a sudden it all falls to pieces. Because they were measured on that one year, that's the problem, that's what happened. One final example. I think a final example is the environment. Uh, In the environment, again, until maybe more recently, it has been very difficult to measure, say, climate change. And because it's been difficult to measure climate change and to say for definite, you know, 20, 30, 40 years ago, this is the, you know, the earth is definitely warming up or, or whatever, because it's difficult to do that, people haven't actually made, been happy to make the decisions or the, the, the painful decisions uh, that need to combat that. It's only happened more recently. And I think that's because it's been difficult to measure, it hasn't actually controlled us. Did you know that uh, I just looked it up on my, on, on, on my phone during, during the interview because I'd read it somewhere before and uh, it proved that it was true that the, um, the, the, the war in Congo has been one of, if not the, bloodiest conflicts in terms of people who have died since World War II. But if you ask people what's the bloodiest conflict that's happened since World War II, most people would not talk about Congo. And part of the reason for that is because it's very difficult to measure. Congo is such a big country. It's so spread. How can you tell how many people have died or how bad the conflict is? It's very difficult to do so, whereas it's easier in other places. And because of that, that's one of the reasons it hasn't previously been on the headlines, maybe quite so much. Again, interesting. What we measure controls us. Now, I could finish the sermon now. I could say, right, that's it. Uh, so we now, we now just have a quick think about, uh, about what we measure and make sure we measure the right things. And that could be, that could be the answer, right? But there's one final thing to mention. And that is a problem that all of us have. You see, the problem when we talk about this measuring and controlling is that it's all very well to think that it's out there somewhere. It's all very well to think, well, okay, I need to measure that, but not that, or that, but not that, not that. That's all very well. But the problem for all of us, I would suggest, is that it's not just out there, it's in here. In that we measure ourselves against other people all the time. All the time. And when we measure ourselves against other people in that way, all the time, that is what often, I would say, controls us. I don't know what you measure yourself against other people with. 
Is it amount of money that you earn that other people earn? Is it about careers, what their career is doing, what your career is doing? Marriage, is their marriage going well? Is their marriage not going well? Kids, have they got, oh, their kids are so well behaved, mine aren't, or mine are and theirs aren't, or whatever, whatever it might be. Fitness, oh, look on Strava, someone's done that. Oh, right, I reckon I could beat that, or not, whatever. Holidays, are they doing more exciting holidays than me? Have they got a number of friends? What's their body shape like? What's their education? Have they got better education than me? Do they not have better education than me? I think it's one of, one of the one of the problems can be with social media, I'm not, I'm not anti-social media, but one of the problems is that often things flick up and we're always tempted to think, oh gosh, they're doing that. Oh, I'm not doing that. Oh, they're doing that. Oh, I'm not doing that. I'm comparing myself. I'm forever measuring myself with other people. It just opens up a big window to be able to do that, which can be so damaging for us. I, um, at my school, send a, uh, send a magazine uh, around once a year uh, of, uh, of kind of about the school. Uh, and one of, part of it, it has sort of stories from people who are previous members of the school and what they're now doing. Um, I don't know if you received that. You'll probably, if, if, if you're a student at Chester, you might receive things like that in the future. I don't, I, I don't know what, what. And you kind of look through it and you, you recognize various people. Oh, yeah, they were in my year. Or, yeah, they were the year below. And they were a bit of an idiot. What are they doing? Or, or, or whatever it is. But for some reason, they only put the successful people in. Do you know what I mean? So there's a guy, I read, read it the other day. There's a guy in, in, my, in my year. Um, and uh, he, uh, he's number 16, apparently, on the list of top 40 fund managers in the world, aged under 40. Um, and so I looked him up online, and uh, there's a website with his, his picture. He lives in New York, works for Merrill Lynch, and kind of has all his earnings that are in the millions. And then has underneath all the added value he's given to companies and funds and things that he's worked for, which are in the kind of tens and hundreds of millions. And you know what? You read that, and you feel a little bit depressed. You think, oh, really? But he's not a vicar, though, so uh, <laughs> as far as I know. Why do, they, why do they only put successful people in there, right? Anyway. But I don't, I mean, I don't know what his marriage is like, whether he's married. I don't know if he's happy in his life. I don't, know, I, don't, I don't know anything else about him. But because the numbers are there and it's easy to measure that, that's what you measure. We so often measure ourselves by what's easy to measure. But what makes this even more messed up, what makes this even more messed up is that even if we could measure ourselves against other people fully, that's not our value anyway. Our value is not in how we compare with other people. In the slight, our value is in that we are created, loved children of God. One final illustration for you. We're getting into the habit of giving out money at church. Um, if you were here last week, Ralph gave out fifty pounds at both services. Uh, I don't get paid as much as Ralph, so um, so I'm giving out ten. <laughs> <coughs> uh, who would like this ten pounds? Anna, I don't think I can give it to you. <laughs> I took it off our pinboard this morning. So. <laughs> who wants the ten pounds? I saw. Did you put your hand up, Catherine? You did. Great. Okay. So ten pounds. It's one of the new kind of plasticky ones. Yep, like it. How about if I screwed it into a ball? Would you still like the 10 pounds? Yeah? Yeah, yeah. No, no, makes sense. What if I put it on the floor and I stamped on it and I got a bit of dog poo on my shoe the other day. Sorry about that. Um, 
And so it's all scruffy now and doesn't look quite, look, quite look as nice. Would you still like the £10 note? Yeah, of course. Why? Because it's still worth £10, isn't it? There you go. You might want to clean it. <laughs> it's still worth £10. And actually, so often when we look at our lives, we feel I've made a mess of my life compared to that other £10 note there. <laughs> or person or whatever. Oh, gosh, look at them. Look all they've done. And we compare ourselves all the time with other people, all the standards that we see, all the standards that people presume to set on Facebook, when actually it's just an airbrushed standard anyway that isn't really their life. We compare ourselves all the time, forgetting that actually in God's eyes, we are worth so much whatever happens to us. Yes, of course, Jesus would like us not to be screwed up and dirty, you know, but but we're worth... We are worth not just £10, but infinite value. That is why Jesus came and died on the cross for us, that we might know the value that we have. And you know, it's only when we realize that, it's only when we realize the value that we have in God's eyes, that that frees us from the other comparisons and frees us from everything else we measure ourselves from. Because actually it doesn't matter anyway, because that's not my value. And that's my prayer for us today, that we in some ways would be freed from that comparison, freed from that measuring, unhealthy measuring. I'm not saying all measuring is bad. It's good to know if your bank balance is bad or your fitness isn't bad. That's not wrong. But when it turns into value and when it turns into uh, a driving force behind us, that's when it can become dangerous. Our prayer is that we would shift away from that. Instead, have our value and know our value is what Jesus and God thinks of us. Let me pray for us.